Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. During Mohamed Al-Fayed's early tenure at Fulham, it was fairly normal for him to bring a new exotic name to Craven Cottage. In April 1999, however, he really went one step further. It was a thriller of an afternoon for the match against Wigan as the King of Pop paid a visit to Craven Cottage. Michael Jackson's solitary visit to the cottage had such a profound effect on Al-Fayed that after his death in 2009, he decided to honour the late King of Pop the statue in tribute at the Hammersmith end. I don't want them to be fans if they don't understand and believe in things which I believe in. Welcome to Fulham Folklore, where we celebrate iconic FFC moments from down the years. And today, we're going to look back at the series of events that led to a seven-foot, six-inch model of Michael Jackson being installed at the cottage and the resulting curse that his removal led to. Because I want him. I say you will pay blood for that. Joining me, Sammy James, today is Drew Heatley. Hello. Hello, Sammy. And George Cooper. Hi, Sammy. You right, mate? Good, thank you. Um, Drew, you have literally written the book on Michael Jackson. I had completely... I had at the back of my mind that you were a massive MJ fan. I had completely <laughs> forgotten until we just happened to book you for this pod. And then you were like, yeah, well, I put my Michael Jackson knowledge to use. And I was like, oh, God, <laughs> you actually wrote a book. So this is a, a perfect crossover of your two worlds. Yeah, when the, when you said you wanted to do an episode on on the statue, I knew it was my time to shine. Um, yeah, so I did I did write the book on Michael Jackson, uh, one of many. Um, basically, when he died, uh, Headline Publishing got in touch with my dad, who was a th- uh, freelance journalist when uh, when he was working. He's retired now, um, and uh, commissioned him to write a book on Michael Jackson. And I had just graduated uni and um, was looking to kickstart my career. Obviously, not what you know it's who you know so uh, we teamed up and we wrote this book but we had two weeks to do it from the from the day as death was announced to uh, to getting it all sent off to the public uh, to the printing press we had two weeks um so we we hunkered down and we wrote this unofficial biography uh, michael jackson life of a legend find it in all good bookshops and some crap <laughs> ones too um <laughs> The the annoying thing is, it's his name only on the front, and I'm in the inside cover. But let me tell you, I think he'd admit it as well. You know, I think it was if it wasn't fifty fifty, it was sixty forty in my in my favour in terms of the <laughs> the legwork there. Uh, he put his young protege to use. Let me tell you. But uh, yeah, so safe to say, I know a fair bit about the King of Pop. Uh, so today should be quite exciting. Were you a fan? Oh yeah, I loved him. I, I mean, I used to lie on my bed with the CD sleeve notes. Remember those kids? And uh, I'd sing the, uh, I'd sing and learn the lyrics to all of the songs. I could, I could do all of them. Probably not wow. on the show, but I can. Wow, I must confess, I too was a huge MJ fan growing up as a kid. Obviously, I was a little bit too young to understand or be subject to the kind of you know the controversies but yeah I remember having the Michael Jackson's number one hits and reading through all the lyrics I remember I still to this day harbour a slight fear of werewolves from watching the Michael Jackson thriller video when I was about seven years old um but yeah what a you say you say it like being scared of werewolves isn't a rational fear (laughs) it's totally (laughs) rational to be scared of (laughs) like like being scared of dragons like you're not supposed to like them yeah every time there's a full moon my, I've got a slight sort of spring in my step <laughs> but Drew just out of interest with the book that you wrote did you mention the fact that he'd visited Fulham or was that an insignificant footnote in the in the life of the King of Pop it was it was 
insignificant footnote in the sense that it was um, the book specifically uh, focused on his life uh, in music. So on the stage, his uh, his his releases. It was purely the performer. Uh, the book focused on. Um, and uh, I don't know whether I mentioned this. I usually do, but it got to number one on the Sunday Times bestseller list. So uh, <laughs> you know, if you haven't read it, check it out. Good. Oh, it's no, not, no surprise that you focused on his life in music and rather than his love for Fulham Football Club. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly that. Well, let's hope that uh, maybe this can get to the number one in the podcast charts and then you'll have two MJ number ones, Drew. I think yes. that uh, that's fairly unlikely, but you never know. Well, to understand the full Michael Jackson and Fulham link, you have to go back to the 10th of April, 1999. 12,140 were in attendance at Fulham on a sunny April afternoon to watch Wigan Athletic. However, one of those in attendance was Michael Jackson himself. And um, the intro from the Highlights voiceover man uh, is as cliche as you would expect. It was a thriller of an afternoon for the match against Wigan as the King of Pop paid a visit to Green Cottage. That was sadly all there was, uh, TV coverage at the time of, of Michael Jackson um, visiting Fulham. I mean, George, it's slightly before my time, but just that image of Michael Jackson swirling his black and white scarf around the uh, around the ground is just surreal. It's a real head scratcher, isn't it? Because he doesn't strike me as the sort of fella who would have been a vociferous football fan. Also, just one of the many weird things that Mohamed Al fired threw at us throughout his tenure as, as Fulham chairman. But I just want to know what the conversation was, the invite, like how that sort of came about, you know, because Al Fayed would have been, what, a few years into being chairman. Is that right? Yeah. Like, yeah. And he must, you know, wanting to entertain his showbiz friends, but you don't get much more showbiz than Michael Jackson, do you? Like he would have been, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say the most famous person in the world at that time. Probably, arguably, I mean, arguably up there, right? I mean, I feel like I know that he gave um, Michael Jackson the uh, the Crown Jewels tour. He took him to Harrods for a three hour shopping spree, apparently. Mm. And then he took him uh, down to Craven Cottage for, for a football match. He took him down the club shop as well. Yeah. The club shop the was just a little shoebox room in the, uh, in the Johnny Haynes at that point. It was, uh, it wasn't even the, the mega store that we know today, quote unquote. Um, Drew, were you in attendance that day? I was. I was in attendance that day with my dad. Uh, and you've heard me tell this story before, Sammy, but I, it was it was quite surreal because, uh, you know, back then, you know, Michael Jackson impersonators was a big, big business. As George says, he was the most famous man on the face of the earth in, in the late 90s, certainly throughout the whole 90s he was. Um, so we just automatically just assumed that he was uh, an impersonator and, you know, Muhammad Al-Fayed, we know now through the crown and other things, how much of a hustler he was and how much he sort of moved up above his station throughout his life. So it was no surprise he was friends with the real Michael Jackson, but we just assumed that he brought an impersonator along because that was also a very sort of chairman Mo thing to do just for a laugh. So, um, I was stood at the front of the Hammersmith end and we were, we were booing him. Um, and I, you know, being a huge Michael Jackson fan at, uh, at 40, how old was I in 99? I was 12 years old. And I, so that was probably at the peak of my MJ loving years. And I booed my hero because I thought he was just uh, an imposter. And then it was, uh, it was only in the, the papers the next day because that was, you know, 
there's no real internet at that time, proper internet. We uh, the next day we found out it was the real Michael Jackson, and I was distraught, absolutely <laughs> gutted uh, that I'd missed out on on uh, cheering him, Fraud. or at least you know doing the the typical screaming fan fanboy fangirling at the front uh, like they did at Wembley, passing out and all the all the rest of it. <laughs> it was uh, it was truly weird, but uh, I can remember it. He was as, as far. He was about you know you know what it's like at the front of the Hammersmith end when it was the terraces and he was walking by the goal so he couldn't have been more than 20 feet away can I just be clear Drew you were booing the Hammersmith end and other stands were booing him because they thought they assumed that he was an imposter that he was a or was it to do with the you know the child's molestation accusations <laughs> no no see that wasn't that wasn't really a, a widespread uh, a movement at that point no the whole Hammersmith end weren't booing him it was just me I was 12 <laughs> years old thinking I was really funny going boo imposter like thinking I'm really hilarious and uh, no it wasn't everybody in unison it was just little 12 year old uh, fresh faced Drew being an idiot I enjoy that uh, there is a small paragraph on the Fulham website um, they, they, there's actually a really nice whole section basically of Fulham's history and um, they've done it extremely well the uh, the club but there's a paragraph about Michael Jackson moonwalks to Craven Cottage uh, the 2-0 home win against Wigan may not have been a thriller but it will be remembered for the king of pop himself Michael Jackson gracing the Craven Cottage turf with the chairman at half time you could say it was the one time where it did matter if you were black or white <laughs> so uh someone uh writing the caption there's uh had a little bit of fun um it's safe to say that the whole day and the whole experience got a mixed reaction from the team uh mike taylor said i remember warming up and then fired was leading him around the pitch it was obviously a glorious day very hot and he had an umbrella up, waving and clapping the fans. Obviously, we paused our warm-up. He did have an aura about him, and we were blown away by it all. But then Barry Hales said, I didn't find out that he was here until we were warming down after the game. I shook his hand and posed for photos with him. He just said, good game, lads. It's <laughs> really, really hard to imagine that, isn't it? <laughs> good game, lads. Good game, Barry. Um, then, this, and this is obviously an all-time quote, Mike Taylor then went on to say... He came in leading Michael Jackson and his quote, which made us all howl hysterically as he came in was, hide your willies, boys. <laughs> <laughs> That's how fired. Yeah. <laughs> you, can, you can hear it in his voice, can't you? But I don't, yeah, I'm not going to do an impression. <laughs> there's, there's a slight controversy about that because Keegan in his memoirs said that it was hold your asses, which is slightly more controversial in the sense that, that there's, there's homophobic undertones there. It was, it was fired, so it could literally be either. I'd like to believe that he said hide your willies because it's, uh, it's <laughs> willies in its own sense is just a hilarious word. But uh, uh, for many reasons, I hope it was Taylor's version of events. Taylor then went to say he came in and met the guys then we all agreed to get our clothes on and go back out onto the pitch to have our photos taken with him. <laughs> uh, a wild series of events even in the kind of um, very much transitional days of the late 90s at Fulham yeah I mean, it must have been a really strange day at work for that <laughs> I'm just trying to think like the, the since I've been going to Fulham's oh, so well, like mid noughties I guess the most the closest I can get to in that level of like fame and and um, sort of strangeness is do you remember when Maradona came out um, Alfred brought out Maradona I think it was like 2010 or 11 yeah. and it was just before we were playing Man City and they had like Tevez like, like they were all like 
it basically inspired like Zabaleta like inspired they had their hero walk out and then we went and got thumped by them and it's just like <laughs> oh yeah nice one there Alpha that was a really smart move but there's not really been any other you know guest appearance at the cottage like it since certainly like, not I guess I guess I mean, you could say Hugh Grant is kind of up there in people that are that famous but he obviously is a Fulham fan so it's not like that weird that he goes to uh, to, to Craven Cottage I mean down the years I feel like Drew Fulham has been a bit of a celeb horns but yeah I mean Michael Jackson is as big as it really is possible to go short of maybe the queen coming to the cottage yeah I think I'd think exactly that I think what's really interesting about this is that you in the 90s throughout the 90s have these sold out shows at arenas across the world and security you'd see them pulling out the (laughs) the girls at the front who are you know passing out with sheer you know hysteria and it's Beatlemania but even higher because it's it's the 90s and then you go to Craven Cottage, which isn't obviously is a vastly different place to what it is today. There's no security, really. It's a Division Two game. There's, uh, you know, I could have hopped over that uh, Hammersmith End railings quite easily and just walked over to him and, and, you know, been right next to the man himself. So it's kind of weird. And then afterwards, he says, you know, it was his first ever sporting event. Well, this is a man who's been in the US during, you know, the, the era of Michael Jordan or and all of these different incredible wow. things. And he's never, ever been invited by anyone or accepted an invite to go to a sporting event and the first one he goes to is Fulham Wigan <laughs> Fulham in the nationwide division two <laughs> like what it's uh, mad when you think about it isn't it, it couldn't be as well a more stereotypical bog stand it was a 2-0 win for Fulham over Wigan in what is now league one uh, it is it's as bog standard as you can get do we um, know who scored that day I know Kit Simon scored he scored an actually very nice goal as well. So uh, yeah, um, I, I'm not 100% sure who the other scorer was. I did try to look it up. I probably could have just watched the highlights. But um, yeah, I know that Kit Simons uh, scored a quite rare goal for him. That I think mean, it was Steve he's, Haywood, but I could be wrong. They might be the only people to ever say that they scored in front of Michael Jackson yeah. in any sporting event. Hey, Kit Simons can put that one straight on the CV. <laughs> um, now, of course, this isn't the only musician that uh, Al Fayed frequented with. Um, I just thought any opportunity to play this, as proven by his infamous appearance on The Ali G Show. It comes the shopkeeper, Mohammed. It comes the shopkeeper, Mohammed. In the live case winner, Al Fayed. He's the nice face. spectacular we posted that on the fulhamish twitter the other day um it was actually you might miss this george but um uh, there was a quote tweet going round where um someone said uh fair play can't think of any other premier league chairman past or present putting on a show like we've seen tonight because obviously elton john and his watford uh connection so fulhamish <laughs> retweeted that with uh saying um show some respect and then the uh the video of um of Mohammed Al Fayed with Ali G. What I found amazing was quite a lot of comments from Fulham fans saying, I had no idea that this happened. And I think it's maybe something that's got slightly buried in time. But yeah, I mean, iconic, really. Yeah. Well, that man did so many, well, I mean, he's obviously still alive, but so many crazy shenanigans and uh, a very, like the most unpredictable. Premier League chairman of all time so it, it's no surprise that there's a few little and there's probably a few other little easter eggs that will unearth over the years yeah <laughs> like all oh, right probably things that will will come out of his death but this is just how fire drew especially in the 90s this was just his his character he ended up in situations and places that 
realistically your average businessman, which is what he was, should never have ended up in. Yeah, and for better and for worse, you know that he was an uh, an eccentric and and highly affable character. You know, there is he's not without his faults, and we could go on. You know, we could do a, a series of ten episodes on our fired and his time at Fulham and the and the and the highs and lows of that. But he was a character, and there aren't many of them in the in the world now. And there certainly, you know, there wasn't many then. And it was uh, I, I always loved having a fired at the helm because it was never it was never boring and uh, you know I back in the days of autographs I used to get his autograph every other game because he was always there and again at the cottage you used to go around down to the corner of the riverside and the Hammersmith end and he'd uh, come over and sign sign your autograph book and he was uh, he was a character so uh, you know it's our fond memories of his time yeah but now obviously Michael Jackson at the cottage was a wild and incredibly Fulham thing to happen, but there wasn't much development despite Al Fayed strongly claiming that uh, Fulham was his team. I imagine he wasn't uh, charting our success into the premiership and, uh, you know, the early days under Tagana. I imagine he wasn't like following it that closely. I just imagine like him on the tour bus being like, can you get up teletext? I want to see uh, how Fulham got on against uh, Rotherham. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you never know. He might have been there rocking a Pizza Hut shirt and the Elder in all the early days. Um, and as far as we know, Michael Jackson never did come back to Craven Cottage. Uh, but it was only 10 years after his visit to FW6 that this happened. Both the Los Angeles Times and CBS News are both now reporting that Michael Jackson has died. Now, CNN has not confirmed that, but the LA Times and CBS News are reporting that Michael Jackson, 50 years old, the king of pop, has died. Uh, a very, very sad moment. Now, I mean, Drew, that, I mean, that was actually an, an incredible evening. I remember it was super early days of Twitter. And I remember being on Twitter and, and seeing a few tweets about it. And it was almost like the first, I feel like, death to break via social media. And I mean, you know, a lot has come out about Michael Jackson um, since and you know, none of it's great, but that evening was a, where were you at that moment kind of situation? Yeah, hundred percent. I was, um, I was actually in Bruges at the time, uh, sipping on some fantastic, uh, beers when I, when I discovered, uh, the news. And then, uh, it was, uh, just minutes after, well, a couple of hours after that, that I got the phone call from my dad and all of that sort of stuff set off. Um, yeah. but it was, uh, it was, you get celebrity deaths all the time and I don't, I don't tend to take uh, much notice of it because uh, I don't know, it's just not something that usually interests me that much, but this, this one really was a shock because it's, you know, you invest so much of your, or so much of your childhood is linked up with, with a certain person. It's hard, it's hard not to. Welcome to The Upshot. We are a podcast bringing you gossip, controversy and drama from the world of sport. If you like sport, but you hate 10,000 word features on Pep Guardiola's tactical evolution, <laughs> but you love a bit of Jack Grealish necking shots, then The Upshot podcast is for you. If you like everything about sport, but the sport. Yeah. <laughs> if you're bored of dreary, fawning interviews on TV, then you'll love this because we're just about the soap opera of sport. And that means we've dug through the archives of tabloid scandal and we've done a few phones in our time too. So <laughs> <laughs> subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcast. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, I mean, immediately Alfie had got to work. Uh, he commissioned a seven foot six inch statue uh, made from plaster and resin to honor his great friend. And the plan was for it to be displayed at his department store, Harrods. However, in 2010, Alfie had sold Harrods uh, to the Qatar royal family. Um, so in early 2011, it was announced that the statue would sit at Craven Cottage in between the Hammersmith Ends and the Riverside Stands. Um, it was unveiled at a small ceremony attended by club officials and the press. And, and it's fair to say that the, the applause here isn't rapturous. George, the audio doesn't quite do it justice, but it's a weird little ceremony with just Alfired standing next to his absolutely massive MJ statue looking proud as punch. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, do you think that the applause would have been any greater had it not been the most hideous statue ever commissioned? (laughs) I mean, the thing looks like a Star Wars figurine. It's like... (laughs) plastic resin is not like a sort of bronze do you remember the the jury you'll probably remember like the history tour where he famously floated a a huge sort of like quite impressive bronze statue of himself down the thames if it was i mean it's gonna be panned no matter what just because of the craziness of the whole situation but as an actual statue itself (laughs) it is just it's it's the most kitsch thing you've ever seen in your life I mean, it's like something out of um, the TV show Succession. It's something that Kendall Roy would uh, would put together <laughs> and just muted applause from the uh, the people that worked with Alfied because they they had to for the sake of their jobs, Drew. Yeah, I mean that unveiling is is so good. If you haven't seen it properly, then go back and watch it because you know there's the muted sort of embarrassed applause by everybody there. And you say about Mo looking so pleased, and he's just doing little bops <laughs> along to Man in the Mirror. It's just it's just so. It's like like a scene out of Kirby Enthusiasm or something, just really just so odd. Um, and then with the statue, obviously it looks absolutely awful, but the devil's in the details of this as well. You've got uh, sheet music along the base with the lyri- with the lyrics to Man in the Mirror, the chorus on there. Like he's obviously turned, he's obviously commissioned this and said, I want, this is obviously my favorite man, uh, Michael Jackson track. I want, I want the words on there. And then you've got uh, a picture of uh, the Fulham squad from, uh, from the day that he visited the cottage. Simon Morgan stood right next to Michael Jackson's, face look look at with the look that we we're all just thinking like what is going on <laughs> why am i stood <laughs> why am i stood next to michael jackson it, the whole thing is just excellent michael jackson the tribute emblazoned on the side of the hammersmith stand uh it, it's just fantastic and you can see why the strategic positioning imagine if he put it on uh, stevenage road next to haynes or uh, well haynes wasn't around at that point i don't think no it was only, but it was only no, yeah, new, it was it was only just but you know if you put it outside the ground can you imagine how long it would have lasted Oh God, thank. I mean, it was the, it was the only kind of like sensible decision that was made around this, that it wasn't actually outside the ground. Cause otherwise that would have been egged within about 
10 minutes. Yeah, there'd be many a traffic cone <laughs> placed on top of that, on, on top of that uh, crown. Yeah. Um, it, it's it, like the juxtaposition between the, the Johnny Haynes statue, which I genuinely think is one of the most beautiful statues yeah. in sport. Just so mm. tasteful, so elegant beautiful work of art to to commemorate a legend and then you've got this like 1980s sort of like figurine you imagine you can imagine that being you know like the michael jackson fan store this being like a little sort of barbie doll type thing but it's yeah it's like, like something out of madame two swords yeah yeah so it's, <laughs> it's, like that's more, it's much more like a waxwork than an actual but, statue but like mm. one of those weird madame two swords ripoffs off the side of the m1 where it's like this dusty <laughs> old museum <laughs> do, do you not think that that Fayed is maybe having us all on here and, it, and he, he wanted it to look like that because obviously he was he was it was under his tenure that the, the Haynes statue came out and that's obviously as George says one of the best in sport he knows who to commission for a statue so is it on purpose is he hoodwinking us all and thinking that we think that he's done this absolute shoddy job but is that not part of the the charm who knows I can't believe that Al Fayed, and, and we'll get into it later, is so proud of this statue. There's no way, surely, that it was all some massive, elaborate joke just to wind up the fan base. Um, and speaking of the fan base, um, the first match that um, the new Michael Jackson statue would witness at the cottage uh, was between Fulham and Blackpool, uh, the Seasiders' one season uh, in the Premier League. Uh, and this is what some fans uh, said before the match. Uh, personally, I think it's a little bit silly, really, but um, my, he's put so much money into the club, Mr. Fired, that um, who cares, really? It doesn't affect me in any way. He's on to Fulham win today. Each their own. It's sort of, you know, if he wants to do it, let him go on with it. It's his ground. He can do what he likes, really. As long as it doesn't impinge on the football team, it don't really matter. And Drew, so from a personal level, right, I'm obsessed with Fulham. I've always been obsessed with Fulham and I'm a bit of a nerd. I can remember matches from years ago. The whole time I've supported the club, like it's been my biggest love, like for all of us. But I have a blind spot with Fulham and it is this six months of 2011 because I went traveling and I just... I remember getting score updates from my dad, but I was in Southeast Asia and Australia and like just Fulham was not top of my priority list. And I remember like seeing this news maybe a week after it happened. And and I think actually it was a few mates in a bar joking to me. It was like, have you seen that Fulham have put a Michael Jackson statue up? And I was like, yeah, good one, lads. Um, hilarious. And then eventually, and it was just slightly before phones and data and 4G were ubiquitous. So genuinely worse, quite slow to get news and I just can't imagine how it must have felt if you were in England at that time so yeah I mean we've heard a couple of fans there what was it like the reception to to Michael Jackson being installed because looking back it does seem to be a mixture of obviously there was some real outrage about this but there also does seem a bit of an acceptance like oh it's Al fired he's spent loads of money on the club he can do what he wants yeah I think there was a mix of reactions, but it was it was obviously pre Twitter being as big as it is, and pre the vitriol that is allowed to be sort of spewed online. Uh, it wasn't as popular as it is now. So I think if, I think what it was is there was a mixed reaction for sure. And you could see on the BBC they did they ran a web uh, an article with reactions, and a lot of people didn't like it. I'm not saying they didn't, but I'm saying I reckon over the la- the preceding sort of decade or, or longer, the reactions and the the attitude towards it has, has gradually got 
more sour as the years have gone on. Uh, you know, some people really, really hate it now. And I wonder whether that was the same at the time. And obviously things have happened in that time as well. So we're not going to get into that. So that could also color the, the opinions as well. I mean, personally, I thought, uh, you've got to be able to laugh at yourself in life for a start, but also, you know, there's these crazy sort of crossovers or showbiz is, is, has always been in Fulham's makeup, going back to Marsh, Moore and Best and the Fulham Globetrotters and even Tommy Trinder, our old chairman, was uh, one of the country's biggest comedians in the 40s and 50s. So we've we've never been strangers to these weird showbiz crossovers. And of course, you know, a statue in football statues, uh, and in life, but particularly in football, statues are reserved for the biggest, most uh, revered characters of a football club. So I can understand how crossing that over into that could be a problem. Uh, you know, you could have had a Michael Jackson tribute in the corner of Hammersmith and that didn't include a statue. And I wonder whether the, uh, uh, the reaction would be as, as negative as it was. But for me... I just think you're going to be put up there to be laughed at, but I think it's it's like clappers and Victoria Sponge and you know all of these different things. Cheese boards are uniquely Fulham, right? Yeah, I remember I was at that game, uh, that Blackpool game, and there was a a guy who dressed head to toe in the I think it was the Bo Selector yeah, yeah. Uh, Michael yes. Jackson outfit, who uh, just before half time I think it was like did a did a few laps up and down the uh, the stairs in the Hammersmith fence. So. There is a video of it, and I, I wanted to include because the commentary is quite funny, but the um it's it, it's someone filming a TV, and so like the audio is just not really worth playing but um yeah it's it's very funny it's the bow selector version of michael jackson and he just runs down all the way the stairs to the bottom of the hammersmith end and then runs back up i think fulham are three nil up at the time so kind of everyone's like attentions are, are drifting yeah. somewhat because the match is won i think um, i think hangland or someone was went down injured and there was a, a long spell of the break <laughs> and uh and then he took the opportunity to entertain the crowds and, and that he did but I remember watching Match of the Day that evening and hearing like Lineker and all of the pundits uh, just really kind of like rip it. And, and it's probably the longest spell Fulham has ever had on Match of the Day. And they're all <laughs> like, oh, what is it? And I remember, you, know, you know the feeling like when you're younger and you've like, I don't know, you've maybe been at a party and you've had a little bit too much to drink and you somehow made an idiot of yourself. And that feeling that you have when you sort of like know that people are going to be sort of like, you know, when you're young and you're a bit like self-conscious. I, I remember having that feeling watching Gary Lineker rip into Fulham on Match mm. of the Day, just like, I didn't like it. I knew that like my mates that like, you know, in the in the playground the next day are gonna be this first thing that they're gonna bring up. And still to this day, whenever I meet somebody and they're like, Who which team do you support? And I say Fulham, the first thing that they say is, Have you still got that Michael Jackson statue outside yeah. your ground? And it it you know, it's 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 stuck around. Like um, a bad smell. Yeah. Now obviously there were a lot of fans that, that didn't like it and still don't like it. However, Alfied did not have uh, much time uh, for those fans who didn't like it. And uh, you know, if some uh, stupid fans don't understand <laughs> and appreciate such a gift this guy gives to the world, you know. They can just go to hell. I don't he care. seems to be if wearing I, black and white. I don't want them to be fans if they don't understand and believe in things which I believe in. <laughs> it's really 
really awfully worded for Malfire. Basically, like, well, I like him. And if you don't like him, I don't want you to be a fan of my football club. Like, there's no way Shahid or Tony would get away with saying that these days. Absolutely no way. I think Tony did once. Tony did, did once to, to, to go to hell, yes. But, I mean, <laughs> to, to say it like that, Drew, is, is actually terrible for Malfire. Yeah, I mean, you read it back and then you listen to it and you just think, when I read it on the BBC website, I knew he said go to hell, but when it goes even further, you know, if you don't believe in what I believe in, then I don't want you in the club. And I he's mean, got some pretty crazy views, that guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You wouldn't want to agree with all of them. Uh, yeah, uh, it's easy to sort of file it under, oh, that's Muhammad Al-Fayed. But yeah, it doesn't age well, does it? It wasn't great at the time and he sounds even worse now. I think there is also a clip of him saying that people can go support Chelsea if they yeah. don't like the Michael Jackson fan, which I couldn't find a clip of, but there's definitely a quote out there. Do you reckon our fired statement, if you don't believe in what I believe, then go support another club extends to the royal family killed Diana? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people that he's potentially alienating. There's not going to be many season tickets sold if that's what you have to if you have to align with all of Mohamed Al Fayed's views in order to support Fulham Football Club. It's, it's a real niche, it's quite a radical sort of business strategy, yeah. isn't it? Oh, um, and once the statue was in place, um, Craven Cottage actually became a bit of a tourist destination for MJ devotees all over the world, including our very own Drew Heatley, no doubt. Uh, Fulham started selling merchandise um, and you could buy a very creepy black t-shirt and um, so it had the Fulham crest in the normal place on the on the left hand side with the iconic Michael Jackson hat balanced on one side and then on the right hand side is this picture as if they're like not alive anymore of Al Fired and Michael Jackson um together i mean drew as we have have mentioned several times this is a crossover between your two worlds did you purchase said t-shirts <laughs> um i as a rule steer clear of the quote-unquote fashion range on the online superstore uh, <laughs> I, it's not that's not my vibe but um of course we cashed in it wouldn't be full of if we didn't cash in on that hey eh? with that i'd love to know the sales figures though uh, I bet there's still a couple of cardboard boxes somewhere in Craven Cottage just full of these T-shirts they couldn't shift. <laughs> uh, and there's this incredible video. And thank you to Colin Bennett on Twitter for finding this. Um, Michael, uh, so Fulham started doing Michael Jackson tours because obviously you couldn't actually go and see the statue unless you were let into Craven Cottage because sensibly it wasn't outside the front. And there is this video of uh, MJ fans doing a late night tour of Craven Cottage. And um, well, we'll play the clip and explain what they're doing afterwards. <laughs> So what's happening here is um, there's about 25 people. It's like a cult. Um, <laughs> and they're in the kind of space next to the Michael Jackson statue where we used to stand and drink and have a pint at half time. And they're holding hands in a circle. It's kind of dusk. It's like early evening, must be like seven, eight o'clock. And they are all just singing Hold My Hand, the song featuring Akon. Um, and someone's there with a camera going round the circle. Lots of them in like the MJ hats, MJ memorabilia. And, a, and from what I can tell, like this was a regular thing that was 
happening? And there's a few kind of bewildered club officials who are clearly leading this tour, like awkwardly in the background, just just standing there <laughs> while this cult-like song happens. It's, it's I'm, I'm absolutely so- mad. You've got the whole Michael Jackson back catalogue, years and years and years of, of banger after banger, and you pick Hold My Hand featuring Akon. Post, this is post exactly what released, I think, as well. Which, what on earth is going on there? Now, you know, I can I can admit to having a sequin glove for my karaoke, for my work karaoke dues. I was known to having a sequin glove. So when I stuck Michael Jackson on, I was in character. But I've not, you know, I've not gone to one of these uh, tours with the hat and and singing along to MJ and Akon. That's not that's not been me. So you claim. And hey, well, look, we are devoted fans of a football club that travel up and down the the country. I'm not 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 shaming anyone that like. That that's their passion is going and uh, singing Michael Jackson songs. It's just utterly wild that this happened at Craven Cottage. That I think is the funny thing about it. Yeah, I, I love I love to think of the sort of within the customer service team, like looking at the rotor that week and being like, "Oh, <laughs> Phil, you're on the MJ tours this week, lads." And he's like, "Oh, for God's sake, <laughs> got to hang out with those guys." And also, like, it, oh. there's a there's like if you were to look at the Venn diagram between Fulham Football Club and Michael Jackson, the only thing that is related to like I can't imagine that tour was all that extensive I it's not like a it's not like a long history of it's literally he came to a match once and our nutty chairman commissioned a statue like that I can't imagine that tour was well, all that, that long no, I can't imagine that anyone on that tour was also interested in the history of Craven Cottage <laughs> yeah, and wanted, yeah. <laughs> wanted to visit the dressing rooms and um, you know maybe go stand on the pitch or anything like that literally you must have been guided in there and that's probably why they started singing the songs because someone at the club was thinking like how can we like make their money's worth? Like they're going to come in and stand by a statue. Like what can we do? Well, we could get a you know, portable speaker and play a couple of tunes and everyone could stand around in a circle and sing. <laughs> yeah. To your point, you like hold my hand, like Fulham have got history in selecting the wrong song yeah. for big moments as, <laughs> yeah. as uh, anyone who is at the Europa League final will, uh, will back me up. <laughs> but for that, that tour, I must be like, so this is the moment where this is the exact spot where Mohamed Afai had exclaimed, hold your willies boys. Now, just over uh, a year after the statue was put up, um, there was a big change at Fulham as this happened. It's being reported that Fulham Football Club will announce a new owner tomorrow. Billionaire Shad Khan is said to have completed his takeover of the Premier League club. Mr Khan owns the Jacksonville Jaguars American football franchise and bought out Mohamed Al-Fayed, ending the former Harrods boss's 16-year stint as the cottage's benefactor. So yes, Shahid Khan uh, bought Fulham uh, in the summer of 2013. Now, however, Al-Fayed said to Khan on the day of the purchase and in the kind of press release that was done that day, you might remember uh, Al Fayed put on a comedy moustache uh, in the photo with, with Shahid, which Shahid must have been a bit, found a bit offensive in all honesty, mustn't he? Like, why is this kind of dude? What is he doing? He's taking the mick out of me. I've just bought a spend, I'm just giving him 150 million. Um, anyway, um, so Al Fayed said, uh, Michael Jackson will stay. He can't go. He is here. It is part of the deal. It is history. It is listed, but I'm not sure it was true. Um, <laughs> you can't change. Otherwise, I will come and take your moustache in public. He knows that. It's a threat almost. It is quite a threat, isn't it? Also, it's so funny that he just threw in that it was listed. <laughs> That's <laughs> the funniest 
It's almost, like, it's almost as if Alphide realizes how hideous it is and doesn't want to take it back. He's like, nah, your problem now, mate. Like, don't you even dare. Like, you know, <laughs> I'll throw the book at you if you do. Oh, but it didn't take long for Shade Khan to remove MJ from his place at the cottage. Uh, Khan said, uh, upon the statue's removal, I respect Mr. Alphide and know he had good intentions in paying an individual tribute. However, the removal of the statue is the right thing for Fulham Football Club. I, I remember, Drew, that this instantly was was actually a bit of a hit for for Khan amongst most Fulham fans. I remember being just utterly relieved when when Khan actually did do that. Yeah, it's a rare uh, it was a rare easy PR win for for the Khans. Uh, they somehow uh, somehow missed those over the years. Uh, so it was it was nice for him to get a, a one in early doors. But just as much as I didn't mind when it turned up, I didn't mind when it left. Uh, you know, I think uh, everything has a shelf life, uh, especially when it's a sort of a, a comedic uh, thing. So uh, you know, I think the joke would run its course, and uh, and it was good for for Miss, for Mister Khan to get rid of it. But. Um, yeah, it, it it didn't take long, did it? He obviously wanted it uh, wanted it gone immediately. But uh, if it was listed, I'd like to know uh, who actually designed it because uh, you know it must be in the documents somewhere, eh? Yeah, uh, we did a tweet uh, on the Fulhamish Twitter, and we said, 10 years on from its removal, do you see the MJ statue as an embarrassment or a quirky bit of Fulham nostalgia?" Now, a lot of the messages back, uh, Brad, embarrassing. I'm still ribbed about it. Um, Alb says total embarrassment, um, the cruel truth, embarrassment. Um, then there's, there's a few interesting other takes. Max Hedrum said, loved it, made everyone smile, usually in a WTF way, completely bonkers and inappropriate, but quirky. Uh, Cheese FFC said, it's pretty funny, uh, to be honest. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on, on the whole thing? My take is that I don't think the two are mutually exclusive. It is obviously embarrassing and it's not something that I would have chosen to have done. Yeah. However, Fulham are a weird football club. It's one of the many reasons why I love this club so much. It's just odd. It's weird. You know, you had like George Best have a weird like cameo. You know, we've got showbiz fans. It's it's just, it's always, it's within the fabric of the club to have these like, and Drew touched upon it earlier, just these weird little eccentricities. And this is just another thing in that rich tapestry. So um, if... If I could go back in time, I probably wouldn't change it. But at the same time, that's not to say that I'm all for it. And I am glad it's gone. But I think that it can be both incredibly embarrassing and something that, as um, I think it was Cheese FFC said, brought a smile to a few people's faces. Um, yeah, that's that, to summarise, I'm glad it's gone. Um, but I wouldn't go back and say, oh, I wish that never happened. Yeah, I mean, Drew, on lots of these things, time's a great healer, although apparently maybe 10 years isn't long enough for, the, for things to fully heal if, if that reaction's anything to go by. Yeah, and I think George hit the nail on the head with most of that, uh, with all of that. But uh, I think I'd to add to it, you know, it's a very complex situation, isn't it? Michael Jackson himself is a very complex character in which we're not, this this is not what the pod's about. So I can understand that I think with everything, you need to take in everybody's views, right? Not everybody's going to feel the same. Personally, I found it funny, but I think for all of the, 
things that we love about football. It's very, it's very tribal and, you know, things like this put you up to be shot at and it wasn't people's decisions. Some people lean into it and take it as a joke and good on you if you can do that. I, you know, I'm, I'm certainly one of those people, but some people, uh, you know, don't ask for it and don't want it. So, you know, you gotta, you gotta take in all points of views and appreciate all points of views. Um, but you know, George, George summed it up, didn't he? You know, it's, uh, if we went back in time, would we change it? No, but you know, are we glad it's gone. Yeah. Yeah, I think I actually there's a there's a tweet here that I think I'm fully on board with, which is Fulham Home Runs, which uh, who said, "Funny now it's gone, humiliating at the time." And I definitely that I, I I remember going to Craven Cottage, seeing it, and just I remember being uh, like annoyed by it. I remember being like, "What is this?" Like, there's other great players down the years that have played for Fulham that like should have that slot, and obviously now. It's where George Cohen's statue rightly sits, like inside Craven Cottage on the right-hand side where he kind of famously played his foot. That's that's the kind of person that should be celebrated at a football club. But then again, I'm, I'm, I've found this episode and it is one of the things that makes Fulham, as you say, George, like we, that we have to embrace what Fulham is. It's not, we aren't a glory team. We aren't a team that's had European cups and... 25 trophies down the years we are this kind of weird home of odd things that, that comes together i haven't explained that particularly well but i think you know what i'm getting at yeah no 100 oh, we hadn't even come onto that like what george must have george cohen that is must have felt while he was alive when he when he saw that statue <laughs> up, he unveiled like he must have been like what the actual what the hell um but yeah i've actually got, i actually know exactly what george cohen thought about what? the Michael jackson statue because really? i asked him for the program yeah uh, oh god you've got the man of the answers i've got the quote right here so i was asking him about it because obviously at this point we knew that the statue had gone up in its place and he said uh, people always wondered why he put uh, one up of that singer whose name i keep forgetting <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. How can you forget Michael Jackson's name? No, he's obviously taking the piss, isn't he? I think he was, because he says, when it went up, I told my wife not to answer the phone because reporters would be ringing to get my thoughts on it. I actually picked the phone up and somebody asked me, and I said, I don't know this chap, but I heard he had quick feet. Ah, put him tish. Well done, George. I mean, if he was a if he was a player, you'd imagine he'd be quite sort of like like a jinky winger, I'd imagine, if, if MJ he, was He'd a, have a great turn. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, and a few good celebrations as well. I can imagine. Um, so the statue, when it was taken down from Craven Cottage, and there's a hilarious photo of the MJ statue being wrapped in bubble wrap on the day that it's being taken down, and the uh, and the three lads that have been contracted to do its removal just can't stop laughing the whole time <laughs> that they're taking this statue down because they just think, can you imagine that like, going to the pub later? And, yeah, cat lads, I've had the funniest day at work. I just had to remove the Michael Jackson statue and wrap it in bubble wrap um, and put it in a van. So it was moved to the National Football Museum in Manchester and uh, Al Fayed was there for its re-unveiling uh, there and uh, this is what he said. <laughs> now the new owner will regret it because I warned him. I say you will pay blood for that because this is something loved by people because he's on the river just people passing with boats just to watch Michael Jackson and I put special floodlight at night and the fans are extremely delighted when they saw him also coming watch the important games uh, it's a big mistake but anyhow he paid for it now he's been relegated and I hope he waking up and start, but he will ask for Michael Jackson again. 
so smug. Incredibly, I think this is like one of one of, if not the only comment we've ever had from Fired about our relegation. So it's you know intrinsically tied up with uh, the the classic pettiness and his uh, and his love for Jackson, which I think rivals even mine. Yeah, well, um, there's a brilliant um, bit of research here. Uh, there's an article on the BBC magazine because obviously Al Fired alludes to there. He believes that uh, removing Michael Jackson's statue uh, led to a, a curse on uh, Fulham. Uh, what, but was the curse true? So uh, the statue was unveiled in April 2011, just before a home game against Blackpool, which Fulham, as we mentioned, won 3 0. Uh, Fulham went on to finish eighth that season, ninth the following season, and 12th the season after. All very respectable finishes. Uh, the statue was removed on the 25th of September 2013, having just beaten Everton uh, in the Capital One Cup, uh, arguably Fulham's best performance of the season to date. The first Michael Jackson-less game was at home to newly promoted Cardiff City, uh, a game that obviously we'd have expected to win. Uh, Cardiff came to the cottage and won 2-1. Uh, and with the talisman, with the musical talisman gone, uh, Fulham did obviously go down uh, that season, never really recovered. Um, the win ratio with the statue was 33.7% and the ratio without was a mere 25%. Uh, and the article goes on to say, as any stat lover knows, correlation is not causation. But as Michael Jackson himself would have said of the numbers, they're bad, they're bad, really, really bad. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe there's something in it, you know. Um, Drew, final thoughts on uh, on MJ at the cottage? Well, I mean, if nothing else, he provides a treasure trove of chat, jokes, you know, all round content. You can't resist a pun when it comes to Michael Jackson, can you? So as you can see, even in that, even the BBC can resist it. So for better or for worse, you know, it, it really is uh, a talking point. And I think, you know, in a game where as much as you love it, there can be a lot of samey, uh, you know, boring things that can happen in football sometimes. And this is certainly not one of them. So I doff my cap to the whole situation, if only for that. George. Uh, I'd have to echo that. I mean... Nothing says family club like a statue of a paedophile. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> and there we go. That is the perfect fitting send off to uh, today's film folklore. Thank you, Drew. Thank you very much, Sammy. Thank you for the libel case, George. <laughs> Thank you, Sammy. Uh, Fullerwish will return on Monday with the FFC transfer show and all the latest gossip. But until then, have a great weekend. Come on, you whites. You whites. Are-